This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He's just not that into America sometimes, it seems to me. Joe Biden, wow, speaks like he wants to scare little kids. He did it again today, did it a week and a half ago. Now he's back telling horror stories about America. He's got to go back quite a ways. 2017, Charlottesville, a little bit of January 6th sprinkled in, all in an effort to cancel MAGA. That's his goal. Watch. When those folks came out of those, that field carrying torches, the United States of America, carrying torches, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile that was chanted in Germany in the early 30s, accompanied by white supremacists holding Nazi flags. And I thought to myself, my God, this is the United States of America, Senator. How could it happen? No, I, 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 I really mean it. The idea that in the first quarter of the 20th century, we had people coming out of the fields carrying torches, Nazi flags and banners, chanting the bile, accompanied by white supremacists, David Dukes and his crowd, and an innocent young woman is killed. When I went to the first G7 meeting in England, of the largest democracies in the world. I sat down and I said, you know, I've heard me say this before, Rev. I said, America's back. You know what these leaders said around a small table with no press there? For how long? For how long? I thought, well, you know, hate can be defeated, but only hides. And when given any oxygen, comes out from under the rocks. So a couple of things here. 2017, that's when Charlottesville happened. That is over five years ago, right? You know, I like to raise questions about the fairness, the concerns I have about the 2020 election. Even some Republicans out there say, oh, you can't talk about that. You got to look ahead. Yet here he is, president of the United States, constantly looking backwards and trying to scare people. You know, he has to go that far back to find a white supremacy uh, example because this is not a country of white supremacists. What he's trying to do here is demonize and stigmatize MAGA, try to convey the false impression that it's a white supremacy movement. It is not. We know that. But based on what he did a week and a half ago, you heard what he said about us. And it's not all him, by the way, pushing this. Susan Rice is the most powerful woman, possibly the most powerful person in America right now. She was at the event today in the White House coordinating things, it seemed to me. I think her official title is chief domestic policy advisor, but looks like she is really running the show. She, 
<laughs> stays in the shadows quite a bit, but there she was today. And the more everything kind of comes together for me, and I think of January 6th, which they will not let go of. Oh boy, hearings are coming soon. I think of not just a little cop waving people in, but those bicycle racks. Did you see them? Security was provided. <laughs> bicycle racks? They say uh, could have been a false flag. I believe it. I believe it. And Joe Biden, you know, January 6th, you probably weren't there. I wasn't there. I have a lot of sympathy for the people who are in jail now who didn't break anything, didn't hurt anybody. I wasn't there on, on Charlottesville, uh, Charlottesville. But he's trying to stigmatize all of us. Listen. And we won't solve the problem by going after the extreme fringes alone. We have to confront the ways in which our toxic division fuel this crisis for all of us. Not going after the fringes, how the divisions fuel the crisis. This means anybody, again, this is what they're getting at. If you have concerns about the 2020 election, you're part of the problem, okay? If you wear a red hat, you're part of the problem. This is not America. He is gearing up for a one-party system, ladies and gentlemen. And words that sound nice like this are actually dangerous. It guarantees that everyone is treated with dignity and gives hate no safe harbor. I don't like hate, I, right? Nobody likes hate. But he's now equating people in the MAGA movement that they're fundamentally enemies of America, right? We heard him. He's doing that. Hate has no safe harbor. If MAGA is hate, then MAGA has no safe harbor? It was in his campaign announcement today again at the White House. The idea of America is guarantees that everyone, everyone is treated with dignity and equality. An idea that ensures an inclusive multiracial democracy idea that we give no safe harbor, none to hate. The way he talks about MAGA, the way he talks about Trump and Trump supporters, he's warming up to this, that those of us who might put on a Make America Great Again hat, that we have no place in America, in his mind, we're full of hate and there's no safe harbor for us. This is dangerous rhetoric, what he's doing right here. And he has some nerve when it comes to policing truth and lies, doesn't he? Recent weeks and months have taught us a painful lesson. There is truth and there are lies. Lies told for power and for profit. And each of us has a duty and a responsibility as citizens, as Americans, and especially as leaders, leaders who have pledged to honor our Constitution and protect our nation to defend the truth and defeat the lies. He used the same line today again at the White House. It is not the government's job to figure out what is truth and what is not. And it's kind of ironic coming from him. He's going to figure out what's true and not after he told the entire country the lie about the laptop. The laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, yeah, it's legit. The New York Times said so. You can't deny it, liberals. And he lied. He lied to all of us. Look, today's event was more of the same. I'm still confused, though. Like, all right, they're talking it up, talking it up, talking it up. It still doesn't make sense to me until there was money on the table. Watch. 
Today, we in the Department of Homeland Security uh, are announcing uh, $20 million in grant funds uh, to fight against uh, targeted violence. We are. Yep. When something doesn't make sense, money has got to be playing a big role. $20 million. Who gets the $20 million? This is about uh, fighting hate across America. How are you going to give it to police departments? Hmm? It is very important to know that in all of our grant programs, including this program that we're announcing uh, today, uh, we are seeking to achieve equity and to reach otherwise underserved communities. And for the first time, these grant funds are reaching historically black colleges and universities, uh, as well as uh, service providers uh, that reach the LGBTQ plus uh, community. And it's something we take back. $20 million to be spread around our Democrat friends, starting to make plenty of sense, shoring up their power before the midterms and whatnot. How about this? How about paying a little bit of attention to our real problems? We have some. Oh, yeah. Take a look. It is very important to know that in all of our grant programs, including this program that we're announcing uh, today, uh, we are seeking to achieve equity and to reach otherwise underserved communities. And for the first time, these grant funds are reaching historically black colleges and universities, uh, as well as uh, service providers uh, that reach the LGBTQ plus uh, community. And it's something we take back. Yeah. Translation, Democrat groups. OK, Democrat votes. That's what this is about in large part. Look, how about a little bit of money? How about a little bit of attention for traditional law enforcement and battling, I don't know, extremism from the left, like what happened in Boulder, Colorado? I keep hearing about Charlottesville. This is a bit more recent and a lot more people were killed by a man who was motivated, we believe, by his uh, extremist views based on a perverted interpretation of Islam. Next, we have, oh yeah, Waukesha. Remember this? Nobody ever talks about it anymore. Daryl Brooks, most likely uh, motivated by black identity extremism, just as this individual was allegedly uh, in New York City, who opened fire and shot uh, 10 people, injured 23. What about the crime that we're seeing all over the place all the time? Why is it that Joe Biden has absolutely no interest in this? Well, if he starts talking about it, it is going to alienate and infuriate Susan Rice, the left, uh, this coalition that he has uh, somehow assembled around himself. And why wouldn't Joe Biden spend a little bit of time talking about the cops who are being slaughtered? <laughs> we haven't seen anything like this since the early 1970s. Joe Biden, president of the United States today, spent a half hour talking about Charlottesville. OK, but law enforcement officers, by the way, from, as you can see, all different ethnicities, all right? They're, but, you know, they're all blue. Joe has very little interest in that, but he, the obsession with Charlottesville, January 6th, of course. You know, there's something that no one ever talks about also from around this period. The violence that took place 
near the White House, um, right around Memorial Day after George Floyd, President Trump was in office. This was a riot that was getting totally out of hand. Park police were sent in. Uh, Ultimately, it was cleared. And Donald Trump showed up with a Bible. Remember that? And somehow being in front of a church with the Bible was the most offensive thing to the mainstream media and the left. I had no problem with it at all. I thought it was beautiful, actually. And the more time that elapses, I think this is one of the most iconic and richest and purest images uh, in presidential history. The inspector general for the park police points out, and I didn't know this until recently, 49 police officers were injured, some seriously, in that event. When they were clearing out all of those protesters, they were met with violence. Overall, 49 U.S. Park police officers were injured during the protests from May 29th to May 31st, including one who underwent surgery for his injuries. The Secret Service and the D.C. National Guard also reported injuries to their personnel during this time. It's funny, I only hear about January 6th, huh? And only one person, by the way, even though they tried to fool us, was killed that day, and her name was Ashley Babbitt. All right, back to the event today where they promise extra promise to get all the white supremacists. Merrick Garland proudly talked about their anti-hate work over the past year and a half, although he's kind of exaggerating and stealing credit from local, state and local prosecutors, but take a look. Earlier this year, we secured the convictions of three men who targeted and killed Ahmad Arbery just because he was a black man jogging on a public street. We successfully prosecuted an individual who, motivated by racist and xenophobic beliefs about the COVID-19 pandemic, targeted and attacked an Asian family at a supermarket in Midland, Texas. We obtained the conviction of an individual in New York who mailed more than 60 letters to LGBTQ-affiliated individuals, organizations, and businesses, many of which contained threats to kill, shoot, and bomb the recipients. And we obtained the conviction of a man in Tennessee for a series of arsons targeting Catholic, Methodist, and Baptist churches in the state. And these are only a few examples of the Justice Department's criminal law enforcement efforts against perpetrators of hate crimes. Well, that's terrific. Great. But why are you sitting on your hands about so many other Incidents and events and violence that cry out for federal attention, like pro-life centers being targeted, harassed, uh, demolished in some cases, vandalized. This is in Denver. Look at this horrible uh, scene. Uh, Let's go to Portland, Oregon. The uh, Portland pro-life center smashed and vandalized. Absolutely no arrests in any of these cases, any of them. Fort Collins pro-life attack. My body, my choice written in the most gruesome way on the doors. Let's see. This is Wisconsin. Uh, Pro-life office burned. Uh, Luckily, nobody was injured. Uh, Denton, Denton, Texas. Look at this ugly vandalism. Uh, New York City, uh, Christian statues demolished. Uh, Linwood, Washington, again, targeting pro-life facilities. We can go on and on. Hollywood, Florida. If abortions aren't safe, then neither are you. Buffalo, it goes on and on. And the FBI, it seems, could care less. No momentum whatsoever because they are agenda-driven. 
They literally don't care. The American horror story is a lie, and Joe Biden will not stop telling it until, I don't know, Donald Trump comes back. It's going to be interesting. We got to stick together, and we got to give money to the candidates we like. All right? No more sitting on the sidelines. We'll be right back with, why did Joe Biden grab Gretchen Whitmer's hand? Are they dating? We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Christianity in decline in the United States in 1972. 90% of Americans identified as Christian. Today, that number is down to 64%, and it is going down rapidly. Take a look at this. from uh, This is the Pew Research Center. They say all four of the Pew Research Center scenarios showed the Christian share of the population shrinking and the number of non-believers rising. Nobody is shocked, of course, when our entire society tries to tell us that images like this and practices like this are somehow beautiful and in some cases mandatory all right, let's put that down for a moment and show something far more beautiful, the Bible. Folks, uh, one way to counteract this is um, a lot of us Christians don't talk about it at work. We don't talk about it, well, anywhere outside of Sunday, and maybe we don't talk about it that much there. I'm going to talk about it right now. Uh, in 2012, someone gave me the Bible and I said, who made you such a church lady? I was so not interested in it. I put it up on the shelf. Didn't even think about it. A couple of things happened. It took me about four or five years to pick up that Bible and to really start reading it. And all of a sudden, wow. I saw miracles. I knew right here that God is totally in charge. Jesus is his son. And I am so grateful for that Bible, which I scoffed at when it was given to me in 2012. The Bible, by the way, that I was given as a gift was the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. It is the, uh, the King James Bible, I believe, but you know, Dr. Stanley there has a, some essays and some footnotes that kind of explain some things, and it was incredibly helpful. And now it is the most important thing in my life. I believe that more of us should tell our stories. Not in, we're not pushy about it. We're not warning anybody. We're just sharing, sharing the good news. I highly recommend it. And uh, by the way, even if we are Christians, we can still engage in the public square. And I will continue to do that. I don't like Joe Biden, but I love him. And Joe, you've got some problems, okay? Because liberal plus chaos equals Biden. And uh, let's break it down a little bit. Ah, yes, liberal. What does the A stand for in liberal? Angry. Oh, man, Joe, you were supposed to be Mr. Normal, right? You were going to bring, you were going to tone things down. You haven't been doing that. It strips you of your dignity, damn it. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight, too. 
deprives you of your dignity. Not more, fewer. He was a patriot. Can you imagine looking at your child? We're changing people's lives. We beat Farmer this year. Think about what you'd think about. Takes everything away from you. Without unions, there'd be no middle class. I'm sick of this stuff. Well, I'm sick and tired of smart guys. There is not a single thing we can not do. Not a single thing. <laughs> Again, I don't like the guy. Uh, I said I love him, right? He's tough to love. Look, you got to love all of God's creatures. He's one. He has a plan. He has a plan for Joe. And I don't know how it's all going to work out, but man, he needs some. He needs to tone down. Uh, he needs a lot of work. Also this. Uh, what does the B stand for in liberal, everybody? Ah, yes. Bizarre. Joe is very bizarre. He bizarrely went to Michigan and held the hand of the married governor, Gretchen Whitmer. I could see shaking her hand, but walking around holding her hand, that's uh, that's odd. And I believe that uh, Governor Gretchen there thought so as well. Yeah, she kind of snatched it away there. She was not into this. And and who would be? Joe, hands to yourself. Haven't you learned by now? All right. Oh, this about Hunter. Hunter Biden, we know he has his problems. And, uh, well, he's caused plenty of problems, too, for others. Have you seen this? He has a child with a woman he did not marry, and Hunter Biden cries poverty, according to the New York Post, in trying to slash child support for a four-year-old girl. Yes, uh, Hunter hooked up with a woman from Arkansas, and he has a daughter, and Hunter wants nothing to do with this girl. He doesn't even want to pay the child support a judge told him to pay. He wants to get it reduced. And this is really sad when you think about it. Gosh, What family has more resources than a presidential family to take care of a four-year-old girl? And Joe Biden has lots of grandkids. I guess he has one grandkid that he doesn't acknowledge, right? Because, well, how many grandkids does Joe say that he has? How many of you have been unable to hug your grandkids in the last seven months? I got six of them. No. No, you have seven. And that one beautiful, sweet girl, can I see that in that field in Arkansas somewhere? Good luck to her. Oh, boy, I wonder what's going to happen. And they've got millions and millions and millions of dollars. Joe Biden made $17 million in two years, and they're quibbling about a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of thousand bucks a month. Unbelievable. All right. You heard about the uh, migrants coming to cities all across uh, the country, including Washington, D.C. I thought this was pretty clever. They dropped them off right in front of Kamala Harris's vice presidential mansion. Listen to this. Were you you notified that they were coming, that these migrants would be showing up? I have no comment. Yeah, the Secret Service, they don't want to touch this. I don't blame Governor Abbott and the others for... Look, this is a national problem. Texas, Arizona, they've been suffering. It's amazing how liberals are reacting to this. New York is a sanctuary city, and a bunch of migrants were sent here from Texas. A sanctuary city until it actually really happens. Eric Adams, the incompetent, ignorant mayor, uh, put out the following statement. Uh, In this new and unforeseen reality where we expect thousands more to arrive every week going forward, the city's system is nearing its breaking point. That video actually didn't look 
all that bad to me. All right. I, uh, breaking point. So what does a man do when his city is at its breaking point? He goes to a party. Yes. Eric Adams party the night away every night this week. Almost it's fashion week. So he shows up at that silly, silly thing. I got it out of my system a long time ago. He can't believe he's getting invited to these parties. I went in 2011 or something like that. It's a joke. Look at me there in the front row. Eric Adams just can't get over it. By the way, I just might have to run against him for mayor. I'm thinking about it. I'll be right back. Hey, there's Joe Biden coming out of uh, voting the other night in Delaware. He took a helicopter, two helicopters, two planes, probably cost about $700,000 to get him there to vote. Why didn't he vote by mail? Curiously, a vote by mail law in Delaware was just ruled unconstitutional in part thanks to our next guest, Julianne Murray. She represented the plaintiffs in that lawsuit. She's also a Republican candidate for attorney general in Delaware. Uh, Julianne Murray, you're on TV. Welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Yes, I am. And I am a big fan. So I'm delighted to be here. Thanks. Oh, terrific. Thank you very much. First off, tell us about uh, that law that was struck down. What was wrong with it? And uh, congratulations on your victory, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, and and incidentally, uh, Biden's vote in the primary was lawful because the lawsuit actually had to do with the general with the general election. So in Delaware, we have our Constitution uh, pres- prescribes uh, absentee voting and the reasons for why you can absentee vote. Uh, Our General Assembly, uh, instead of amending the Constitution where they didn't have the votes to do it, at the very end of the session rammed through a statutory no excuse vote by mail. And so we filed suit basically saying even though statutes have a presumption of constitutionality, they can't run afoul of the Delaware Constitution. Uh, And so it was, you know, it was really about you can't have no excuse vote by mail when our Constitution says there are six specific reasons for why you can absentee vote. The state constitution of Delaware says that. And if you want to institute a new law like that, you probably have to change the Constitution first. And that's Correct. hard. That's very, very hard to do. Correct. Correct. And and part of the argument in my case was, or what I argued was, look, they knew they did not have the votes for the amendment. They tried. There's two legs. You have to do it in two separate sessions. So they did it in 21. They couldn't get the votes in 22. They needed two thirds of both houses. I argued that the framers of the Constitution guaranteed that there was going to be a process for amending and that it was very important that the amendment process be followed that way and that basically what they did was amend the Constitution with a simple majority, one session. I understand that. And you know what? Pennsylvania apparently did the the same thing. And that affected, though, that affected the election in in 2020. They just changed the law in Delaware more recently, correct? Uh, about, uh, yeah, very end. It was uh, signed. It was uh, end of June and then signed July 22nd. All right. Now, let me just ask you this. What do you think their intent was by doing it this way in their heart? What were they trying to do? They knew that they were breaking the Constitution there. The argument in the House and the Senate 
absolute conversations about the fact that, yeah, this may be constitutional, but we'll let the courts sort it out. They wanted vote by mail. They had it in 2020. It's different in 22 than it was in 20 uh, in terms of they're not sending, you know, you don't, you don't, they're not sending applications to everybody. You have to apply for it, but they want vote by mail here. And, you know, and their whole basis on, in 2020 was, of course, COVID. 22, the basis was, yeah, we have really broad powers and we're just going to come up with a new method. It's called vote by mail. Um, and the, unfortunately for us, you know, Pennsylvania and Massachusetts, the night before uh, oral argument came out with the same thing. You know, that whole vote by mail thing, it's not really absentee. It doesn't really offend the Constitution. Delaware, though, 1897, our framers were talking about election fraud in 1897 and said, we want in-person voting. And so we have case law all the way through the 19 through the 1900s that support in-person voting. Wow. Well, uh, I'm glad you caught this and you fixed it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. Where did you go to law school? What kind of law did you practice? And how's it looking for you as attorney general in Delaware? It's it's all right. So I uh, I went to law school at Widener, which is in Delaware. Late bloomer. Didn't go to law school till I was 38. So I've been practicing for uh, about 10 years. For you math majors out there, I'm 52. I uh, own my own law firm, and uh, I actually ran for governor in 2020. And uh, in a five month campaign, had more votes than anybody in the history of Delaware in a Republican as a Republican uh, in a governor race. So that set up this race. We have a very very um, uh, soft on crime, no cash bail, uh, only, you know, drop 85% of the gun charges AG here. That is incredibly unpopular. Public safety, crime, and guns are on the ballot as far as I'm concerned. So it's set up, you know, Governor Run sets up the statewide name recognition, unpopular AG, uh, now no vote by mail. Uh, so uh, it actually, I mean, it is, this is the most winnable statewide election for a Republican in Delaware. Wow. Um, hey, it's a small state. Have you ever met Joe Biden? I have not. Um, I'm OK with that, by the way. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we wish you uh, we wish you luck. And it sounds like you got a real chance here. It's exciting. I'm trying to think of the last Republican governor of uh, Delaware. Was it Pete DuPont? Uh, Mike Castle. So Pete ah. DuPont and then Mike Castle uh, uh, succeeded him. Pete, forgive me, Pierre Dupont. Oh, yeah, Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Julian. Let me give the website because it's very important. Absolutely. Actually, <laughs> okay, uh, it's, Mur it's murrayfordelaware.com. M U R R A Y. Perfect. You guys have it up there. Perfect. <laughs> uh, last thing what's, a, what's oh. the best thing about running for uh, public office and what's the worst thing? Okay. Best thing is the pulpit. You know, you get to share, you get, I mean, people are interested. Uh, it, it is humbling how many people have come up and said, you have to save this state. We are in so much trouble. Law enforcement, citizens, it is unbelievably humbling. Worst thing, it's also an incredible responsibility and trying to get to everybody timing wise. I mean, it's just, you know, you get tired, you know, and you have to be on every single time. So tonight I did a candidate forum. I'm doing this with you. It's just, you know, and it's wonderful and I'm so excited, but you know, I have to make sure it's perfect. Well, I think there could be a big payoff for you in November. Fingers crossed. <laughs> MurrayForDelaware.com. MurrayForDelaware.com. Thank you very much. Congratulations and uh, to be continued. And I will keep you posted. All right. Please do. All right. Thanks so much. You bet. We'll be right back. 
All I can, I can say is, is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They are pathetic. They are a joke. We don't trust them. We don't like them. Uh, and they don't hold really anybody accountable anymore. They did that for a while. And believe it or not, they did keep a lot of politicians in check. They kept them in line. But that ended a very, very long time ago. But there are some very interesting media people out there who are doing a good job. Now, one of them, I believe, although, look, his tactics can be pretty wild, is Alex Stein. I actually think he's a force for good overall. Sometimes I don't like his words. Um, and I happen to be a fan of Den Crenshaw's as well. But these members of Congress, they get there and they lose all accountability. They choose the voters. The voters don't get to choose them. And this guy, Alex Stein, has a sense of urgency that I think we need right now. Look what's happening in Texas. What about all that money in Ukraine? He put those questions to Dan Crenshaw. Not ideal, not in ideal fashion, but these questions need to be asked. Dan, you're just such a little loser. Yep. Who's trying to grab my thing? Look, you're too slow. He's too slow, Navy SEAL. It's funny, Dan, how you said you're tall. Yeah, I'm small, but I'm so much taller than you, Dan. I'm so much bigger than you. You're just a little, you're a little sad little boy. I'm the little one. This is, yeah, imagine me calling you out because you're a nihilist, you're a globalist. Oh, I got a job, I work for the place. I got, I make a lot of money, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do, Dan. Yeah, I make a lot of money. Yeah, oh, I'm a loser. This is the guy. This is the guy who tells veterans that their that their service. Yeah, this, yeah, because those are weapons of mass destruction that didn't yeah, so exist. I'm anti-war. Yeah. Yeah, I'm anti-war because he's I don't believe. This, did you guys find any weapons of mass destruction? As a matter of fact, yeah. we did. Oh, where was? Oh, what weapons of mass destruction? This guy. You're actually going to go down this route, Alex. Yeah, because we don't you're have any weapons of mass destruction. You're looking like a fool right now. You're telling veterans, not just me, but plenty of veterans. You're telling plenty of veterans that their service was wasted. Yeah, it was. You guys' service was wasted for globalist invaders. You are the modern day version. Oh, I'm the modern day version. You worry more about Ukraine than our border. You are the modern day version. He cares more about. Ukraine, he does about America. Wow, huh? Well, Alex Stein shows some genuine outrage that I share about what happened overseas. We lost Afghanistan, Iraq, no weapons of mass destruction. And a lot of the country just went, hmm, reelected George W. Bush. I don't know. There's something about this I like. I don't like the name calling, the ridicule, sure. I know I'm not supposed to like it. I don't. And I like Dan Crenshaw, but there's an urgency here that's well-founded. There's more. So you're a globalist. Why don't you take care of America? You don't care. That's your problem, Dan. You don't care about America. You don't care about Texas. You're We're disgusting. Do you think there's you an invasion? You used to be a comedian, Is there an invasion on our border right now? You used to be a comedian. Is there an invasion on our border right now? Maybe you should go back I to that, I still am buddy. a comedian. Is there an invasion on our border? you're not very good at comedy. Will you admit that there's an invasion on our border? Of course there's an invasion on our border. Yeah, but you won't do anything about it. But why do you give $80 billion to Ukraine? Why do you give $80 billion to Ukraine? Uh, I think you're getting the numbers wrong there, buddy. Oh, what are we at? A hundred billion now? No, it's not even close. What, oh, what are we up to now, Dan? And they even say none of those weapons even go to the front lines. So why don't you start caring about America? Actually, they do. You don't care about America at all, Dan. Yeah. You're a globalist. You're a traitor. You're a dwarf. There's Dan Crenshaw. Come on. Come on, Dan. The modern day version of the people. Oh, I'm the people. 
You're the one that's a globalist. You're killing young children for no reason, sending them to war for nothing. I gotta be ID, right? Yeah, you're, you're uh, harassing a member, an officer controlling a harassing member. Well, am I under arrest? Or... No, no, you're being, you're being stopped in the ID, so... Not right now, you're being stopped. I just need some identification. Thank you. For future reference, when you're wanting to interview members, okay. you cannot physically stop them from going their way. I'm not trying to talk back. I didn't physically stop anybody. I'm just letting you know from what we were getting from members of the public was that you were harassing members that were trying to go back and forth to their votes. You were not allowed to do that, so I'm going to let you know that that's what you cannot do. Okay, am I allowed to leave? You are allowed to leave. Okay, thank you. Thank you. This is just trying to ask politicians some questions, and then they come and detain me. What a joke. Uh, what do you think, huh? Look, he shouldn't have called uh, Dan Crenshaw a traitor, but again, the urgency, I kind of appreciate. I do. Uh, he gets under people's skin. I guess that's part of it. He wasn't doing anything illegal, by the way. You're allowed to ask politicians. He didn't obstruct anybody. He didn't block anybody. Those are brutally tough questions he asked them. And there should probably be more of that, actually. Yeah, I do. I think so. And he does it, by the way, to both sides. Here's Eric Swalwell. These are brutally tough questions that should have been asked uh, by national media. They all give him a pass. Take a look at what happened to Congressman Swalwell. Remember that guy? Eric, is this Fang Bang the Chinese spy, Eric? Remember when you slept with that Chinese spy, Eric? Why don't you ever talk about that, Fang Fang? Remember you're banging Fang Fang? Did she give you a People are saying that she gave you an ins Is that true? This is the guy's banging Chinese spies. Nobody investigates you, Eric. Why is that? Nobody investigates this guy banging Chinese spies like it's no big deal. Yeah, whatever happened to that, actually? This happened. Big story for about eight seconds. And then what was, uh, what became of... Swalwell, Swalwell, whatever his name is, they let him be a prosecutor, a prosecutor manager for the impeachment, the second one, I guess, of Donald Trump. Right after. That was uh, not right. Not right at all. All right. Stay with us. Let me know what you think about that Alex Stein guy, and I'll be right back. All right, this is uh, Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns basketball team, and he's in a lot of trouble. He just got fined $10 million, suspended for a year. Here's the NBA commissioner uh, talking about it. I said it was indefensible is is not strong enough. It's beyond the pale in every possible way um, to use language and behave that way. Okay, so what did Sarver do? Let's go through it. ESPN broke this story a while back. This is Sarver speaking. You know, why does Draymond Green get to run up the court and say N-word, Sarver allegedly said? You can't say that, Earl Watson, I think he was the coach at the time, told Sarver. Why, Sarver replied, Draymond Green says N-word. All right, let's take a look at Draymond Green. Okay, he says N-word. Next, what else did ESPN report? Uh, Sarver once tried to impress upon employees how big of a Suns fan he was. In one meeting, to drive home his point, Sarver passed around a picture of his wife in a Suns bikini. Uh, 
Okay, this is the Instagram world. Uh, is that a problem? Next, please. What else did he do? Former Suns account executive David Bodzin said that in August 2014, Sarver pantsed him. I was shell-shocked, and every year that it has gone by that I've thought about it makes me angrier that I didn't come forward about it. I got to look up pants. Apparently, you walk up to somebody and you pull their pants down. It was kind of strange. He was wearing shorts. It was in front of a bunch of people. They were clowning around. Do we have one more? I think uh, this might be one of the reasons why this guy's really in trouble. In Arizona, Suns owner Robert Sarver has given more than $220,000 in five-plus years with more than 179 going to Republicans. Yes, I think that might be why he has such a problem on his hands, huh? Did NBA Commissioner Silver find out anything about that? I wonder. Because, all right, he didn't call anybody the N-word. He just talked about other people using the N-word. You shouldn't say the N-word, but I hear it a lot. It, it not being polite to say in public, that's not the measure of whether racism still exists or not. Words alone do me no justice. You did it, my n- <laughs> did it. <laughs> Why ain't gonna find out It's between you and my n- right? It's between me and yes, you. Yes, I'm your n- throw you out a few words, uh, anything that comes to your mind, just throw it back at me, okay? Just kind of an arbitrary thing, like if I said dog, you'd say... Tree. Tree. Spear chucker. White trash. Spade. Hunky hunky. <laughs> Dead hunky. Wow, Chevy Chase said that on Saturday Night Live at one point. Look, you shouldn't say it. Uh, but those guys said it, and I don't think Sarver said it in a, well, you know, but whatever. Uh, I, we know that if Sarver were a person of color, he would not be in trouble. White people, especially white men, have to be careful, more careful, it seems, than almost any other group, especially according to some of the white men in this footage. Are you suggesting that, that a rich white man might have a different standard in terms of how they're treated by the criminal justice system? Perhaps. Uh, obviously, I'm kidding. I know you do, and we both agree that is the facts. You're yeah. old, you're rich, white. You get everything. Of course you're threatened by young people. Of course you're mad. Of course you don't like their beliefs. That was due to his privilege in being a white man. Um, you have a privilege that exists in this country by the color of your skin. Especially for older white men, that they can no longer define American society on their own terms, uh, deeply antagonizes some people. The future is not going to be an old white guy. We can't do anything in America about racist white guys. A very silly conversation about race to avoid having an important, consequential conversation about race. I'll be right back. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. Thanks a lot. I'll see you tomorrow.